This is Brian Bailey from Charlottesville, Virginia, and I'm joined with Mark Sweeney from Windermere, Florida. We are your guides to this episode of In the Hunt. We are going to bring clarity to this complex game of golf and help you reach your next level of performance. So if you're ready to step up your game, join us on The Hunt. Welcome to this week's episode of In the Hunt. This is Brian Bailey here in Charlottesville, Virginia, and I am joined, as always, with Mark Sweeney uh, down in Windermere, Florida right now. Mark, how's it going? Yeah, I just got back from Augusta yesterday, spent the week up there during Masters, um, just kind of getting back in the swing of things and trying to catch up on all this work I didn't get done last week. Well, yeah, you're going to be home for a couple of days, so you got you got time. I'm going to be home time. till I don't even know when my last my next trip is planned. I'm going to be home for the rest of the year, probably. Nice. And and I want to apologize to all the listeners. Um, the, the show Booker last week uh, was trying to bring together uh, a couple people to talk on the Masters. And uh, well, that's me. And I failed miserably. So <laughs> we, we did not run a podcast last week. And that's all completely on me because it all fell through. And then like Mark was down at Augusta and the weather was hit or miss yeah. there for a little bit. So yeah. finding times was was difficult. So I'll take I'll take the brunt of last week's failure of a podcast. Um but so uh, we, we had this great, we envisioned this great master's preview, um, starting to break down players and make some predictions. And our prediction calculator is actually really fascinating. So we'll, we'll, we'll bring that into another event somewhere down the road. Um, but, but really what we're going to try to do today is kind of recap what happened. And, and not in your traditional, you know, Dustin Johnson's the best ever and Bryson got robbed or wh- whatever that scenario is. We're actually going to dive in the numbers and talk about the recipe of winning. You know, inside of Game Forge, we have there's a true recipe of what a winner looks like and how they separate from the field. And so the beauty of this discussion today, we're going to talk about Dustin. We'll talk about different players in the field uh, and how that how their recipes were a little bit different and why DJ's was just a little bit sweeter. Um, so, Mark, you want to go ahead and kick us off here? Yeah, I think I think it's important to first just lay the groundwork that you know, the masters in the fall played a little different than the spring. Uh, we didn't really know how, but they had loads and loads of rain coming in. It was hot weather. So the course was softer than the spring. Um, they, you know, they overseed and the overseed had only been in for a couple months. So it hadn't really fully, um, taken hold like it would in the springtime where you get colder weather and it's, and they, it's everything's, you know, the seeds been on the ground for six months. Um, so it, it was different. Everybody could see the the greens were much softer and, uh, you know, they got a lot of, they didn't necessarily plug, but you know, the first couple of days they were throwing darts. Um, and that was, they just had tons of rain prior. They had tons of rain the first couple or during the practice rounds. It didn't stop raining until Friday, I think. So, you know, what you have to realize about golf courses and greens is you can't just dial a number and say, I want this firmness and this green speed. A lot of it's weather dependent. Uh, and it's one of the things I've, I've learned over many, many years at, at masters is, you know, you always have targets for green firmness and, and green speed. Um, but depending on the weather, sometimes you can, you can get them. Sometimes you can't, you know what I mean? So, you know, greens are very, very, very um, susceptible to moisture and heat. Uh, and, and bentgrass loves cold and dry, you know, that's, that's ideal for bentgrass to get it going super fast and, and super firm. And when it's warm and wet, you know, it, it grows faster and it's just not really the same conditions. So with all that couched, you know, if we look mm-hmm. at the, our winning formula, you know, we, you know, our standard is 16 under par to, to contend and I'm sorry, 16 under the cut to contend. The cut was even par and guess what? One player got to 16 under or better and that was Dustin Johnson. So he kind of blew through that 16 number, but second place was 15. So um, regardless of master setup and difficulty and all that, it still followed the same model 
that we always look at. You need to get 16 shots better than the cut to contend. That's that's your price of admission if you want to win. And, and that's exactly what happened this week. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, I think what's been really exciting about the podcast is our numbers keep growing. So there's a lot of people coming in. They might not have, shame on them, but they might not have backfilled and listened to some of our past episodes where we've kind of hit on this this magic number of 16 under uh, or, or over the actual cut line. So uh, for some of you, this will be brand new. But I think it was fascinating. I actually had a talk with Mark right before they teed it off on Thursday. Uh, I, I went to my little fun betting app on NBC Sports. They do, you know, compete head-to-heads and predict a final score. And I actually predicted 19 under. Because Mark's nice. like it's so soft, they're throwing darts. It's gonna be, it's gonna be more than whatever. So I basically said sixteen plus a little bit, and I was really close. And for me to actually say the Masters at nineteen under, <laughs> it just didn't seem right. And nineteen would have been a record. Nobody's yep. ever done nineteen, I don't think, right? And, and DJ blew that up May twenty. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. So if we look at if we look at DJ's scoring, it looks like every other tour event. You know, he shot five under par average per round. Um, five birdies and one bogey, you know, right off the bat, it, it looks like a standard winning round. He was the only one who, who pulled that off. Um, but he did a couple things, you know, better than normal. And, and one thing I noticed, he had a lot of fairways, he had 11 fairways. His normal fairways is nowhere near 11. I think he's normally like seven, seven, seven and a half, but he hit 11 fairways and averaged 15 greens around at Augusta, right? 15 greens is, you know, it's hard not to shoot a good score if you're hitting 15 greens around, uh, nine in positions around, and three and a half blackjacks. So the short par fives there, they really take advantage of the blackjack, uh, the blackjacks and, and capitalizing on that. But ball striking-wise, he hit the ball particularly well. Um, he did a lot of things very well, but he hit the ball as good as he's probably ever hit it. Yeah, and I think the most fascinating part, again, for some of the newer listeners, we talk in positions. That's how many times we hit it within 20 feet. The reason we talk that, that number is so important, is more than 85% of all birdies come from that zone. So if you think about it, uh, you know, inside of the, the 15 greens he was hitting, he was hitting nine shots, a little more than nine shots per round inside of 20 feet, and roughly three and a half of those were inside of eight feet. So you know, inside of the recipe for making birdie, you know, we're going to add a little bit of ball striking, our imposition number, and then we're going to talk about conversion rates. So you can see Dustin Johnson gave himself a ton of opportunities. So how did he do on his conversions there, Mark? Well, his conversions are fascinating because his his uh, EG conversion, so putting outside 20 feet, he was below average, 6%. You know, average is about 10%. So he didn't quite quite as many make quite as many bombs as, as most people, but that's pretty standard at Augusta because the way the greens are – are designed, you've got, you know, you've got pinnable areas separated by roll-off areas. So if you're more than 20 feet away from a pin, it tends to eject the ball even further away. You end up at 40, 45 feet usually. So the bombs don't happen as often. His uh, IP conversion, so it's nine to 20 feet. He was 30%, which is good, but it's, it's average, you know, for PJ tour average is about 30%. So he putted well, nine to 20 feet, but not particularly you know, that much above average. He's just, it was fine. You know, where he killed everybody is he made everything. He made every birdie putt eight feet and in, and he made every par save six feet and in. He was a hundred percent blackjack conversions. And he was a hundred percent P six conversions. So he made an absolute ton of putts and uh, something I tweeted today in response to somebody, you know, he had 59 opportunities, total opportunities to make a putt inside uh, eight feet and he only missed one of them all week. 
So, you know, that's why he had one bogey around and that's it is because he was saving par from everywhere and converting all of those putts, those five, four, five, six footers, which at Augusta can get awfully tricky, especially the downhill fast ones. Um, he made all of them, made every single one of them for uh, par saves. Yeah. Uh, so that's, six feet in. Yeah. So the recipe of how to make birdie, right? In positions. So his blackjacks, he's converting 100%. So he was averaging three and a half birdies per round just due to the fact of 100% conversion of, of uh, his blackjacks is eight foot and in, which he's yeah. disproportionately are going to be your par fives going for the green, uh, hitting it up really close. And then again, so if you think of it that way, then he's only making one and a half more birdies per round and he's basically pulling that from the nine to 20 zone. The so whole the, round. The yeah. yeah. So and the beauty of what holes. he's doing. Exactly. 14 other holes, he just needs one and a half birdies. The beauty of what Dustin did is he didn't have to be spectacular from nine to 20 because he had so many opportunities and he converted at such a high level, eight feet and in that, you know, the, he just, he just made a bunch of birdies, which is absolutely phenomenal. I think the other fascinating piece I thought when I was listening to the cover it, well, we'll talk about some coverage stuff, but on the final day when they were talking, you know, Dustin was, I think three or four holes to go. And they said, you know how many bogeys Dustin Johnson has for the entire tournament? He said four <laughs> and, and two of them were in the final round. So yeah. DJ had four bogeys the entire tournament. That is just amazing at Augusta. And no doubles. And no doubles, which again, and a lot of other people had doubles. A lot yeah, of and ex- top tenors had doubles. And especially on this par fives, when you're going for it, there is definitely some hazards that can bring in, you know, bogeys and things along that line. So DJ was just masterful on hitting golf ball did what he needed to do on the putting green, but was absolutely masterful. Um, and then, and then we, the other piece we always talk about in scoring is where do I find my birdies par five scoring? So did DJ do anything well on par fives? Well, yeah. So his par five scoring was 2.75 under par. So it was almost three shots under par on the par fives uh, with three go forts around. So yeah, he, he did really well on the par fives, which you would expect there. You'd expect birdies at, you know, two, 13 and 15, pretty much, pretty much the whole time. Although, uh, even I think in the final round of 15, I think he even had to, um, pitch out from under the trees laid up and still stuffed it in there and made birdie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but you know, you have to take advantage of the par fives at Augusta and he, he clearly did that. Now we also loop in, uh, the third hole, which is the short par four, cause that's technically a go forward hole. Cause you can hit it up there pretty darn close to the green. If not on the green, you can hit it up within 30, 40 yards. Um, and so if they're banging it all the way up, all the way up there, we call that a go for it. Um, and I think he did that most of the time, not every single time, but I think he did that most of the time where he hit it up within 40 yards or so um, and then hit good approach shots and converted. So don't forget, go for it. Include short par fours. Yeah. And I think the other fascinating part, because we talked about how good he was with ball striking, but he was also good with distance putting. Um, you know, I think his actual three putts, I think he had one, one of his bogeys was from a three putt. He had one three um, putt the entire tournament. Which at which at Augusta three putts show because again the big the big swales the long putts coming across the green pushing you away from the hole you you have a lot of testers four to eight feet a lot and and you know a lot of this data that we put into GameForge we actually pulled um, from coverage from the Masters so we inputted a lot of this data so as you're sitting there inputting their round and their information you know it, it was amazing to watch how many testers um, a lot of these guys had and and again hats off for Dustin Johnson on just you know. He, he was the man that took down Augusta this year. 
Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't BAD Bryson DeChambeau. No, um, we'll no. get to in a second. Now, now one thing I want to talk about Dustin that that nobody has touched on and and I noticed it just by putting his data in, but um we talk about speed control a lot and speed control is a hard thing to to kind of quantify a lot of times in shotlink. But, you know, as I was looking at his round and watching his round, something very, very obvious struck me and that he basically didn't leave any putts short. Um, 20 feet in, guess how many putts he left short 20 feet in for birdie the entire tournament? Uh, this sounds like a trick question. I'm going to say trick question. zero. Zero, not a <laughs> 20, 20 feet in. Dustin Johnson did not leave one single putt short, but he also wasn't blown at four and five feet by either. So his speed control was spectacular. And when you get out to, I think, 20 to 40 feet, he left 30% short, which is, which is fine. And then I think outside 40 feet, he only left like 20% short. So one thing that he didn't get any credit for that I, that I remember seeing on the coverage was his speed control was um, unbelievably good. You know, we know he does aim point for, um, for green reading, you know, but you've got to match up speed. And, and I always harp on players about leaving so many birdie putts short because you're just throwing shots away. If you're leaving 15 foot putt short and 10 foot putt short, he left zero short for any. So for anybody listening to this, who likes to just cozy it up there on a birdie putt and maybe dead weight, um, don't do that. And he was a perfect example of why not. Yeah, no. And I, I think the most fascinating part is inside of Game Forge that is being released. Uh, we've been we've been monitoring that in the back end on a while. And we're actually going to create that interface for players. So that'll be in Game Forge and you'll be able to see um, what, what your capabilities are as well. But yeah, that that is a fascinating piece. You know, his speed was so good. And, and just by watching the coverage, you could tell he never seemed like he was in trouble on a second putt. It was just as smooth sailing as it can be. Um, so so there's the uh, and winner. Another, and another, yeah. part, another part of that is he was so good inside eight feet. Even the couple that he hit three and four feet by, uh, he, he made the comebacks no problem at all. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like I said, he he was poised and his game was ready to take on Augusta. And he, he, had, his, he had his moment. Yes, he did. Now, so, uh, let's, who do you want to jump to next? I uh, want to jump to DeChambeau, of course, uh, because because he was all getting all the hype. All the hype was about about Bryson and how they're you know he was going to destroy Augusta, and he had a plan that nobody's ever seen before. And well, that didn't happen. Um, and so let's have a look at kind of what his numbers look like. He only shot on average 0.5 under par. So DJ actually did have a a uh, par 67 because he shot five under on average every day. Um, Bryson's par was kind of par. It was kind of 71, 72. Um, so why is that? Now he hit almost 10 fairways around. So that's a lot of fairways, but he only hit 11 greens, you know, 11 greens. You're going to have a hard time breaking par at 11 greens. And so the interesting there thing there was his ball striking was just not where it needed to be. You know, he might've been trying to bomb it up there, but you know, you know, DJ hit one more fairway than, than, Bryson did, but DJ hit 15 greens and Bryson hit 11 greens. And of that only seven were in position. Now that's, 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 that's not a lot. That's a little over two or average, but that's about it. Yeah. And I think the fascinating part of that is actually Bryson's blackjacks were really high. So he out, he hit more shots inside of eight feet because he was bombing it, yeah. but overall ball striking. So when he hit the green, it was ridiculously close. Um, but he didn't have enough opportunities and he didn't do it enough. And that put pressure on his short game. 
that put pressure just on the entire system. So I think the fascinating part, the I'm going to bomb it and I'm going to destroy this golf course. I think the golf course had a little bit of a little bit of a retort back to him saying not so fast. Bring it. Uh, bring it. Yeah, no, you know, five, he's averaging five blackjacks. So of his seven impositions, basically five of them were eight feet and in. So either it was feast or famine for, for Bryson. He was either eight feet and in, or he was nowhere, he was nowhere near the pen. And well, again, what I find yeah. fascinating. So at the, at the U S open, you know, where Bryson really outperformed everybody was his short game where his P six number was really high at the U S open. So he was, he was missing the green, chipping it up to really close and making the putt. Well, Dustin's P6 number at the Masters was 67%, right? Off the charts high. So when, when Dustin missed the green, two out of three times, he was hitting it inside six feet. Bryson's number was 36%. It was half of that. So Bryson, when he missed the green, only got inside six feet half as often as, as Dustin did. So Dustin destroyed him with the, with the wedges, uh, the greenside wedges there. Well, and, and what made it, makes it even easier is, you know, when you're averaging 15 greens, so that's what three opportunities per round. Uh, when you're only hitting 11, now you got seven opportunities to have to get it up and down. So that is just magnified. So, yes, you got beat by the number, but you also got beat by density. So now Bryson's only getting up and down one out of three, but he's got seven opportunities where DJ is going two for three, but he's only got three per round. So there's the recipe for making – uh, a fair number of bogeys is not hitting enough greens, putting pressure, and then not performing um, with your P6 and your scramble number. Yeah, the other big thing that stuck out to me is Bryson's disruptors. So he had almost two per round. And so a disruptor at Augusta basically means you hit your your drive into the trees and you've got to chip out, right? Yeah, so <laughs> you're going long, but if you get in the trees at Augusta, you're it's hard to get to the green. Either you got you got to pitch it out or you got to take an angle close to the green, but you can't actually hit the green. Um, he had, he had particularly high disruptors there. So again, I, you know, I don't know whether it's cause he was going so much for distance, but his ball striking accuracy definitely degraded, uh, at Augusta, certainly off the tee cause the disruptors were high, but also because, you know, from the middle of the fairway a lot, um, he didn't, uh, he didn't hit the green nearly as often as he could. Uh, if we look at his, his putting accuracy graph, he, um, uh, everything inside 120, he dramatically underperformed as far as hitting it inside 20 feet. Dramatically. He was fine outside 170, but then inside that, he, he just, he just wouldn't pull the shots off. Yeah. And actually the cool part about Bryson is he actually putted really well. He converted yeah. three quarter of his blackjack. So that's at tour average or a little bit better converted 57% between nine and 20. So he has basically, charge good. Yeah. That's so basically good, yeah. two putts per round. He made 50% of those, you know, if you really think about it. So he's, he putted actually really, really well. His kind of his downfall was he just didn't give himself enough opportunities to make putt where DJ was the exact opposite. Just had a plethora of putts and his short game just couldn't close that gap. Yep. Yep. Like I said, you know, but you, he actually scored pretty well for only 11 greens. Like he should have been over par average and he actually was a nudge under par. Yeah. Um, but to me, that's just the ball striking one there. You know, it's just yeah, one there so, uh, for whatever reason. I think a fun one and I was inputting his stats and, and this is a guy that's gotten lambasted over the last couple of years of being not the best putter on tour. So let's flip over to Rory. I think Rory put on when I was doing his stats day in, day out, I was like, man, he is putting his tail off. So uh, let's, let's jump over and take a quick look at Rory. Anything that jumps out at you there? 
Uh, well, yeah, you know, Rory's always been a good fairway uh, hitter, right? He hit 12 and a half fairways, which is uh, maybe the highest I've ever seen for a tour event we've done. Um, almost nine in positions, three and a half blackjacks, pretty close to Dustin on the ball striking. Now he hit fewer greens. He only hit 12 greens, um, but his IPs were good. His blackjacks were good, but his IP, conver- his first of all, his IP conversion. So nine to 20 feet, he made 40% off the charts. Good. And his long putting is 20 to 40 feet. He made 14%, which is again, off the charts. Good. So he putted, he putted really well. P6 conversions, a hundred percent made every par save inside six feet. So Rory putted really, really good. Actually, um, par five scoring was a little weak. Uh, penalty had a penalty every round. So every round he had a penalty, um, which is causing him four shots around right there. Yeah. And I, again, it was really fascinating because, you know, Sorry, you four have shots this, total. Yeah. You have this perception of players and I'm putting in Rory's stats and I'm like day one, I'm like, he's not hitting it. Well, he wasn't chipping it well, but I'm like, man, he's just, he's making putts. And then it, the putting just kept going and the ball striking after day one uh, started to pick up. And then that's where he kind of just took off. So it's just absolutely fascinating. If he could have uh, hit a little bit better there round one, um, you know, this, that the masters could have been a heck of a show with, DJ and Rory battling out uh, down the stretch. Well, and he only had one three putt the whole time, like Dustin, and he had he averaged twenty six point seven putts around. That is low. Um, if he if you throw out his four penalties, uh, he's in second place. Yep. And in uh, the I think the fascinating part, kind of what you talked about with DJ, is he did not leave a putt inside of twenty feet short. Uh, as Ooh. I was clicking through, he did not. I mean, not a single one. Yeah. So again, that 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 caliber of of putter, that aggressiveness, I guess aggressiveness on the green of saying, I have to, you know, never up, never in. I hate that saying, but these guys, you know, aggression. He make sure that they got the ball to the hole. I mean, it was absolutely phenomenal. And his speed was, I don't think it was DJ. I saw him testing. He had a lot more testers, uh, but he made a bunch of them. So I think. Like I said, I you know, hats off to Rory, whatever he's been doing. His putting was was a real strength this week. Yeah, it's actually been better than you think the last few tournaments I remember, but it was very good, very good at Augusta. But you know, you gotta you gotta have both sides. You gotta have the ball striking and the putting and the short game. Uh, if you wanna go, if you wanna make twenty five birdies in a tournament, you know, and and not very many bogeys, you know, that's exactly what what uh, Dustin did. He made twenty five birdies and four bogeys. Yeah, I'm off by one there. Maybe, maybe then, uh, must must have made a double. I'm off by one, but you get the idea. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> um, anyone else you want to look at here, Mark? Um, uh, let's have a look at do we, is, do we have Justin Thomas in there? We have JT. I did Tiger as well. JT, yeah, J, oh, let's like a Tiger. Let's like a Tiger. Right. Why not? Because he he played. He was the defending most champion. of the time. He played decent. Yeah, <laughs> other uh, than a hole. Yeah, his ball striking was average, seven and a half IPs, um, 13 greens. He putted well. Yeah. He putted well. His short game was good. Um, where did he get burned? Total putts. Uh, three putts were good. Par five scoring was okay. Made a bunch of penalties, made three penalties, and those usually, but not always, turn into doubles if they're if they're if or penalties 10. on par fives, they tend not to be doubles, but if they're penalties, or 10. Else, they if tend. they all have it on the same hole, it creates a 10. Yeah, he was just his blackjacks were low. So think about it. You know, Bryson was at five and a half blackjacks around. Tiger was at 2.75. So roughly half the, the number of exactly half the number of 
blackjacks per round that Bryson had. So Bryson had, you know, twice as many birdie shots inside eight feet as Tiger. So um, Tiger was ball striking was okay, um, but it wasn't didn't really stand out. But he did putt well. No, he put it really, and his short game was really good as well. You know, his P6 was well over 60%. His scramble rate was at 75. And again, if if you think about it, if, if DeChambeau had these scrambling rates, uh, DeChambeau's position on the leaderboard would be uh, completely different. Um, yeah, but again, no doubt. It, But, you know, it goes back to the fact that, you know, Tiger had the one bad hole that really, you know, basically changed his score. And he would have been, you know, he would have probably finished 7-8. Well, he finished – two or three with a you know, seven over. So he would have been about eight or nine. So he'd have been, you know, upper part of the field. So he played he well. Eight or nine. He would have been top 10 without yeah. that. Without, without the just got here. All right. But again, that, that, that concept of yeah, Tiger had a good event other than, you know, you take yeah. away one hole on the last day. Yeah. You know, yeah. but then again, we all can say that I've had many good rounds that, uh, if, if only one hole, <laughs> if only that one hole. If only I didn't hit three in the water, I would have finished top 10. And uh, a lot of guys out there probably could have said something similar. Maybe not three in the water. And then uh, let's look at Justin Thomas real quick, because I thought he was interesting. The difference between day one and day two and day three and day four, kind of what changed for him. Yeah, he played well. I mean, I tell you what, the fairways at Augusta, all these guys hit more fairways than normal. They're all over nine, between nine and 12. And that's that's higher. Usually nine is kind of high end for PJ Tour. Um, he's at 13 and a half greens, nine, almost nine in positions and almost five blackjacks. So really good ball striking putted mid range putting was good. 38% was really good. Um, short par saves were not very good at scrambling was low. So he, did, yeah, he made yeah. five and a quarter birdies, which was more than Dustin, but he made two and a quarter bogeys versus Dustin's one bogey. So, um, when he was missing the green, he was not converting short putts and a scrambling number was low, but not a, no three putts no, three I think, all week. That's pretty good, huh? Yeah. Like I said, putting in JT's numbers, it was kind of interesting because the first two days, um, he actually made some long putts. So I'm actually looking at day one, day two for him. He was averaging close to 20% EG conversion. On the last two days where it seemed like when you were watching him on TV, he was making nothing. He made absolutely zero outside of 20 feet, which is kind of the, the ding on Dustin. I mean, on Justin Thomas is inside of 20. He's one of the world's best putters. But outside of 20, he, he, he doesn't make as many as the majority of the field does. And it really showed up when he had his two good rounds, when he was in the mix uh, up on the leaderboard. He was making putts outside of 20. Uh, on the last two days, he dropped a zero percent there. So I think Nothing, yeah. it was just it was just kind of fascinating to kind of watch his ball striking and all tailed off the last two days as well. But you know him saving that you know making that long birdie here or there uh, just didn't show up. Um, but his putting blackjack conversions, IP and conversion rates were the exact same day to day. It's just a little bit of ball striking fall off. Or actually, a lot of ball striking on the last two days, and then he just didn't make any long putts. <laughs> Yeah, he played. He played solid, actually. Yeah, um, his made, first a lot, two, made a yeah. lot of birdies. I didn't realize he made more birdies than Dustin did. Yeah, if you look at his just his first two days, his numbers actually rival, if not beat D, uh, DJ. Um, which is he had ten and a half in position, six and a half blackjacks the first two days, and then the last two days we kind of it kind of reverts to his mean. He goes to seven in positions and three blackjacks. So his ball striking the first two days was just phenomenal. And then he was even throwing some candy in by making long putts. 
the reversal of the last two days. And you could see the frustration on him, you know, on the weekend. Like it just wasn't as it just wasn't as crisp. And DJ just didn't falter. He just kept going. So here's a here's a cool ball striking stat for JT. Um, inside 110 yards and in, he had about 14, 13 or 14 shots in that range. He had every single one of them inside 20 feet, 100. percent That is pretty dang good. <laughs> that definitely equates <laughs> to a lot of birdie chances. Pretty darn good. Now, where he got burned putting wise, he only made one putt outside 18 feet the entire tournament. Yep. It's, that's it. that's that's JT's. Uh, that's always been his deal, yeah. isn't it? That's always been his deal. He's, he's always been good inside, and uh, he would, would play putted about right where he should have inside 18 feet, and then just nothing outside that. Yeah. Did you get uh, Did you get any other players in there? Uh, Patrick Reed. We can look at Patrick Reed real Reed's quick. Um, six birdies around. Woo! That's a birdie around higher than uh, DJ. So six birdies around is off the charts. Good four and a half blackjack. Same there. Look um, at his IP three bogeys. Uh, yeah, his putting was amazing. He, IP conversions fifty three percent. That's amazing. I mean, he's a great mid range putter, but that just proves it there. Um, he just made. He just gave back way too many bogeys. Uh, didn't hit. Didn't hit enough greens. Looking at. Just under yeah, 12 green below 12. And then his P six was only 40%. So yeah, so when he hit the green, he was deadly when he didn't hit the green. Um, his, uh, short game proximity just wasn't quite there. No, I think that was, and again, that's kind of what I saw when I was watching the coverage and, and kind of watching him. He, he just, you know, as one of the world's best short game players, it just, the numbers weren't there. 40% P six, 48% scramble. You know, you basically, again, if you're only hitting, you're missing six greens per round, um, 50% scramble, that means guaranteed three bogeys. So there's, you know, so Patrick Reed's in the mix. If he, you know, he hits a couple more greens or he gets his scrambling rate up in that 60 to 70 percentile, what he does when he plays great, you know, there was, that's the piece that kind of, there was his anchor that kept him from uh, trying to run with, uh, run with Dustin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like that, his anchor that held him back. Anchor. That's a that's some that's a heck of an offense though. Seventy one percent dip. Woo, know, that's insane. Made six birdies on eight in positions. Every, average. That's that's unreal. But that's what he does. Yep. Yeah, you know, that's what he does when he plays well. He just his offense is so strong. Yeah, it's just fascinating because uh, I just saw a couple of chips, you know, over the last two days where you're like, oh man, he's gonna hit this close, and he ended up being 12, 15 feet, and you're just like, well, that's not normal. Now I know Augusta has a lot to say about that with their, their green complex, but yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, definitely wasn't expecting some of those shots as I was looking in the inputting data throughout this tournament. Yeah. It's, you know what I loved about the, uh, the master's website is every shot of every player is on video. So no, if I you, agree. if you want to go back and look at anybody's entire round shot by shot, you can pick any player. Like that is awesome. Like every yep. tour event should be like that. Frankly, that's what they do in other sports. They, they have, they have a camera on every single player the whole time. And, and we don't get that in golf. I know it's like, I know it'd be expensive when you got 150 people in the field, but um, boy, it's cool. No, I agree. Sitting there and just watching shot for shot, seeing different lies, how each player attacks the golf course. Um, yeah, again, it, it you know there, there's a lot of wisdom in the way that the best players in the world play a golf course. So, it definitely a lot to be learned by by going through 
you know, jump on the Masters app and actually go through and follow a couple of these players, you know, look at the best in the world, but look at some other guys that, you know, maybe just missed the cut or, or the kind of the bottom end of the cut line and see what they did different and, and, and how the golf course affected each player a little bit differently. Well, the cool thing now is Masters again five months from now uh, with probably different conditions, probably different weather and firmness and speed conditions. Um, we'll be able to look at this again and see how it changes in the typical springtime Masters versus the uh, the once-in-a-lifetime fall Masters. That's right. Do they have any uh, any little construction projects moving, like maybe uh, that's going to be ready for the spring that would be different? <clears throat> no. Golf course, not that I'm aware of, no. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I noticed that there's a couple of grass. Yeah, it looked like the couple tee boxes they said were moved over a little bit and made getting over the corners a little more challenging. So I think, uh, you know, no, I missed that. I don't know. It looks looked pretty much the same to me, but I could be wrong. Cool. Yeah, no, I just <laughs> you know you're saying that a uh, broadcaster might have lied to me. No, you mean they might have <laughs> they might have made something up also? <laughs> no. Well, I I did when I was listening to coverage on one of the days I I tuned in and and the guy goes. You know, you really need to track the guy that makes the most birdies because if he he makes a lot of birdies and stays away from big numbers, he'll be in it. And yeah. I was like, man, that's hard hitting <laughs> journalism right there. That's hard hitting right that's, there. <laughs> how did he come over oh, back on that one? <laughs> make a bunch of birdies and don't make bogeys. You got a chance. So you're saying I got <laughs> exactly. <a chance>. <laughs> <laughs> but but again, I and so you got to say something even if. Even if it's a little on the soft side. <laughs> That's right. But so I think the fascinating part is the recipe of, of 16 under was the number. Only one guy got there. Uh, he won. He blew past that. Yeah. Uh, but but the, an understanding, again, how each player does it a little bit differently and how they get around the golf course. And and for you as a listener, as a player, or even as a coach trying to get your players to a new level, you know, understanding these concepts of what the recipe is to make a birdie, what the recipe is to save par, understanding noise which is your big numbers your doubles and eagles and stuff like and starting to be able to manage performance that way and setting up a game plan to get your player where they need to go there's all i mean there's so many nuggets inside of that masters app i would encourage you and your players to sit down and you know we're in covid lockdowns here and there um sit down with your players online and go through how how the best in the world do it and what they can learn from that i think it's absolutely fascinating totally 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 agree Cool. All right. Well, let's uh, go ahead and close this down. Any closing remarks or thoughts, Mark? Uh, now, I guess, you know, just looking back at the week, um, it, it will be inter- it will be a great study to look at the fall masters versus the spring masters and see if the scoring changes or not. I don't think it will, frankly. I think maybe the um, the approaches will be a little more difficult because it probably won't be as soft. Um, but but I don't know. Well, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see in the spring what happens. But you know, even with abnormal conditions, the the scoring model that we work on held up perfectly. No, I agree. And, and, and our prediction model was very fascinating as well. But you guys will have to listen to future podcasts to start getting information on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll reveal our – we'll come out with our prediction model shortly here. We, test, we did a test run at Augusta, and a lot of our top tens finished top ten, didn't they? Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> Trying to remember where DJ was in that. He was DJ he was, was second, I think. He was he was top five, I think. Yeah. Bryson let us down. He was he was top five also, but he just yeah. Didn't Bryson fell out, didn't, but he just didn't. Patrick perform. Reed was top ten, and he basically finished. I think he was tenth on our list, and he finished right in that top ten. Yeah, Webb Simpson finished in top ten also. Yeah. I should look at it right now. 
Um, so top 10, we had John, uh, DJ, um, Thomas was top 10, Rom, Simpson, Reed. Uh, we had all those guys being top 10, yeah. which at Shoffley finished uh, top 20. Who else we have? Um, Bryson was really the one who underperformed the most from our top 10. Yeah, and we, we should have done better. <laughs> Too much hype. Too we much believe hype. the hype. Too much hype. Well, we appreciate you guys listening to us here at GameForge uh, in the hunt. If you have any questions or anything about performance, please let us know. We're here to help. Um, keep sending us ideas and topics. Uh, we have a bunch of cool topics coming up over the next couple of weeks. We've been uh, kind of prioritizing what the feedback we've gotten from you, the listeners. So make sure you keep uh, giving us information there. And thank you so much. Thank you.